And now fast forward, I got like uh, uh, probably a hundred thousand plus in equity in this house right now. You really? Know? Yeah, man. I I bought this house during lockdown, so people was dragging their feet. Thank God. So <laughs> so yeah, man. I, I I literally had no competition. I when I bought it, I just knew what I was getting. You are listening to the Millionaire Talk Show with Charles Oglesby. We're gonna be millionaires. And we're interviewing proven millionaires who've built their wealth in real estate, sales, marketing, branding, and other areas by betting on themselves. And now, here's your host, Charles Oglesby. This is the Millionaire Talk Show. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, founder and director of the Todd Capital Investment Club. Uh, options community and the best selling options course. Thank you guys all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African American business owners and investors so that they can hear the stories of success because we know we exist. And the more that we share, the more that we do. And also, we want people to know that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have a special guest. His name is Nasser El Arabi. I think I pronounced that right. <laughs> it's actually Nasser. Nasser. Yeah. And he, he goes by the real estate guru. So you guys, I'm sure you've seen his videos. I'm sure you've seen his content. Um, he calls himself a real estate guru because he really does this business. <laughs> and um, you guys are definitely in for a treat. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So you are in the North Carolina market, right? Charlotte, North Carolina. Absolutely. Charlotte. And uh, born and raised? Nah, born and raised in New Jersey, man. Been down to Charlotte since 2008, man. Okay. Born and raised in Jersey. So what was life like growing up? We always like to ask that question. I know you have entrepreneurial parents, so I kind of want to dig into that a little bit. All right. So yeah, basically, as far as what was life like, man, I was pretty much um, middle class. Both of my parents, they were born um, pre-civil rights. So they got their rights in their lifetime. You know? uh, my grandfather, a man I caught, man I grew up calling my grandfather. He buried Malcolm X. My father was a, par, a Paul Burrow with uh, Betty Shabazz, um, and my mother she marched with Martin um, with the King and everything uh, back at that time. Wow. So uh, with that, you know, she of course she was a teenager, but you know she was with the message and out there. Um, so. You know, uh, we grew up in New Jersey. We were middle class. Um, if you know anything about New Jersey, it's a high cost of living because I'm from North Jersey. And therefore, uh, we was in essentially the hood because, you know, in New Jersey, you could be middle class and still be in the hood. So, you know, with that being said, uh, my mother was a school teacher, graduated from North Carolina Central University. Shout out to the HBCUs out there. And anybody who attended them, um, yeah. So she went to uh, Central, graduated from Central North Carolina. Uh, my father was pretty much, you know, a car salesman and a salesman, and the, he had the hustle spirit, and that's where I, you know, I got my hustle spirit from. Yeah, I'm curious, how is it possible to be middle class and live in the hood? Oh, New Jersey, high cost of living. Houses cost right. so much. It's yo, you you doing good, but. You know, people still selling crack on your block. So it's very, you know, fast forward to today, I could take you where a spot in the city I'm from, you know, in Elizabeth, house is going for $750,000. Granted, it might be a two-family or a three-family house. However, you come home from work, you might see somebody hustling on your porch. <laughs> That's crazy. Hustling. 
you know, I'm, I'm, when I say hustling, I'm talking about, you know, pushing some drugs, not like, you know, uh, trying to do a legit hustle. I'm talking about, yeah, like, man, look, I just needed to sit right here while the cops pass by, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, and so you moved to New Jersey, to, New- to Charlotte. What prompted that? See, my man, he went down to, um, he came down to Charlotte back in like 06 to bust a move. And whatever happened with the move, the move didn't work out. So he came back and he was just like, we was all outside. Like, yo, bro, you always talking about getting out of Jersey. This, man, you got to see the Charlotte stuff, man. You like, yo, the girls are pretty. The, yo, the party scene is crazy. It's clean. Yo, you just got to see it. So like two weeks later, we hopped in the car and came down. And yeah, I was turned out. I just seen a lot of opportunity for myself. I ain't never seen nothing like that. And I've been coming to North Carolina my whole life. Um, but I was going to like a country town type of part. And I didn't know a city like Charlotte that's probably equivalent to a major city anywhere else existed. So, yeah, I was I was turned out when I seen Charlotte. Yeah, I've heard good things about Charlotte. I've heard I've actually have a uh, one of my clients. She's going from California to Charlotte. Uh, what's the appeal? Like, what's the, the draw to the city? I know there's a lot of banks out there and things like that. Yeah, so we were um, at the t- we were number two biggest banking city in the country when I moved out there in 08. I'm sorry, in the world in 08 behind New York City. And um, I, want, I think we're like number three now behind San Francisco now because of um, Wells Fargo bought Wachovia. And um, yeah, we were like number dropped to like number three or something on the list, number three or four. So with that being said, banking is the main industry here. However, what's the appeal now? I, I don't know. I mean, it's a beautiful city. I mean, houses, even though it's expensive, in my personal opinion, houses are still affordable compared to other major cities, especially California or New York. Um, and uh, when I came out here, oh wait, the appealing thing was the cost of living. The cost of living was extremely cheap so i was like man i'm i'm good you know what i mean like rent was only like 500 son so yeah now so that's, rent that doesn't exist anymore though but go ahead but i feel like that's a hack in a lot of ways if you still have the same level of earning capacity and then you move to an area where the cost of living is cheaper it kind of gives you that edge especially if you come from a place where you really got to go get it to exist is that what you saw when you first moved there no, I no, I absolutely, absolutely. But when I first got here, my first job was ten dollars an hour. Now that's gonna sound crazy to like a lot of people. I was in a call center and I had a college degree. Um, so that might sound crazy to a lot of people, but believe it or not, at that time, ten dollars an hour, you could actually get your own spot. Like you could live off of it. As dumb as that may sound, you know, you could live off of ten dollars an hour, you know. So yeah, man. Um and then, you know, I got my, another job at like 12 something an hour and uh, at Wachovia headquarters and then Wells Bars. I was, now I'm in the call center. So, you know, I ain't really making no money. I mean, my highest paying job was like 38K a year. And, you know, I got fired from that September of 2012. Yeah. And uh, what, what prompted you getting fired? Because I, I read that and I was curious because, I mean, a lot of people who are entrepreneur minded, jobs just don't work out for them. Yeah, I was always a terrible employee, bro. So, 
I mean, I, I I just did everything wrong, man. You know, it was calling me in the principal office like every Friday. When I say the principal, the principal office like my manager. You know, I knew I was gonna find the writer, but I was just waiting for them to cut the puppet strings. Then you know, one time finally, you know, what I mean, I asked for some time off because my grandfather passed, and I wanted to, you know, go to the funeral that Monday. And you know, I guess they figured like, yo, you know what? Just tell him not to come back. So they finally cut the puppet strings, had me work, had me come to work. You know, well, had me in the office, called me in the office like four forty four, four forty three, had me work all day. You know, yeah. what I mean? <laughs> that one on me. I'm like, man, y'all could have fired me four hours ago, but you know. It, <laughs> You know, I, I I still I think I still beat Rush Hour traffic, you know. Yeah. Um. So how old in 2020, 2012, How old were you? I was twenty nine when I got fired. Twenty nine when I got fired. Yes. And so, what did you do from there? What did that look like? Because that was the last that was the last job you had. Yeah, that was the last job I had, bro. So yeah, fortunately, uh, my side hustle became a full time hustle. I wanted to better myself. My friend Wendy from Jersey, man. You know, and it's always good to have good people in your life, man. You know, I I, I met her in, in, in college. But it's always good to have, you know, good people in your life. And she was like, Nasser, you're 29. You can always go back and get a job, but you can't go back and be 29 again. So, you know, I went out there and um, I just better myself with this wholesaling thing, man. And I've, I've done a couple of deals while I was at work because I did my first wholesale deal in 2011, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then after that, man, um, after, you know, after that, when I got fired, it was like, all right, well, I'm about to better myself, man. You know, I didn't tell no family members or nothing like that. Cause I didn't want to tell nobody cause I didn't want nobody worried about me. Cause you know, family calling you every other day, worried about you think and like, no, nah, I don't want no doubt. I'm about to make this happen. So with that being said, um, made it happen, man. That November, bro, I, I made 10K, which was the highest at that time, my business. And at that time, you know, I'm thinking 10K is a lot of money. You know what I mean? Um, I'm thinking that's like a lot of money. So I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sold on this. You know, uh, screw those jobs. So did you, when you had the free time, you had the capital, you just ramped it up, started hustling. Is that what that looked like? All it was was hustling and I already had a plan. See, the the, the thing is, when somebody quit um, their job or somebody get fired, man, the, the play is you don't want to be sitting at the kitchen table tuning your thumbs. You got to be in process of working. And um, Charles, I kind of, I, I think you see this now, right? Um, uh, the, the, the younger kids, they might use uh, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Um, they might say something like, well, you know, they dropped out of college and, you know, or they didn't finish college and whatever the case may be. Yeah, Steve Jobs dropped out of college because he was working on Apple. You know, he ain't drop out of college and say, yo, now nah, I just need to find myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yo, Bill, Bill Gates ain't, ain't go to school and stop going to school and say, ah, hey, mom and dad, I just want to find myself. They went to work. You know what I mean? When I got fired, came, went to the funeral, my grandfather's funeral and all that, got back, went to, got to work. So my plant, smooth in motion. So, yeah, man, and that's what it was, man. You can't, don't quit your job and get it. Because I see that a lot, especially with uh, the, the social media era where people just quit their job and then come Monday at 8 o'clock, they're twirling their thumbs, talking about what they're about to do. What you're about to do? Nah, you're supposed to know what you was about to do yesterday. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. 
So, so you kind of have to have a, a, a head start and know what that next day is going to look like. And you already had that going because you had a side hustle and uh, and wholesaling. How long were you wholesaling until you started getting into like buying holds and flips and ground up stuff? Okay, well, uh, that's a good question. So um, just to rewind a little bit, right? I actually, I learned about creative real estate in 2010. With creative real estate, guys, basically what that is, that's buying houses with no money and no credit, right? You know, leveraging other people's money, um, wholesaling, you know, flipping. So I learned about it in 2010. I actually bought my first house in 2007 in New Jersey, which me and my man bought. We lost about $7,000 a piece. So we lost about seven k a piece on that. So $14,000. Hold um, on. Don't, how did you lose seven fourteen thousand on that deal? Well, we did everything wrong. We did everything wrong. We didn't, we didn't buy right. Um, we just bought off the MLS. We figured, since we watched those flipping shows, we figured all we had to do was buy an ugly house, fix it up. Right. Some money. You know what I mean? And uh, for those asking, like, Yo, how was I able to get the money? Well, at that time, what it was, anybody could have got a bank loan. We're talking about 07. This is before the market uh, potentially just tanked. And with that being said, like all you need, literally, all you needed was a post and you could have got a loan. Like it's a possibility you could have got denied to rent a spot and you could have said F you landlord and bought the house next door. Like that's how that's how crazy it was with the banks just giving out uh, money. It was called a, a stated income loan. And basically the loan officer told me what I made and he just <laughs> put the through, you know what I mean? And we got the deal, you know, so um, that was a, a lesson learned. But I did all that the traditional way. Um, when I was in the call center in 08, I bought, I was in Charlotte. I bought a house, I bought a house with my W2 making $10 an hour. The reason what made me prompt by a house is I'm like, man, in Jersey, expensive. This house right here is $42,000. Well, look, I'll just buy it and rent it out because this is cheap. I knew it was cheap. Did the rinse and repeat 09. After I tried to get a third house, they said, wait, the bank said, yo, your debt to income is too high. Cause here it is, I'm making twelve dollars an hour. I had two houses on my credit, and I'm making twelve bucks an hour. You're like, nah, we can't do anything else. So I thought my real estate career was over, which um, I was far from wrong. Read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, put me on the right track, attracted me to the right people. I joined what was called a local RIA. A RIA is a real estate investment association. Um, joined that, I found out about wholesaling. And I'm like, no money, no credit. Wait, that's me because you know, I'm, I'm broke right now and I ain't, I can't use my credit no more, they told me. So listen, and um, from there, that's what got me into wholesale. And then my first wholesale in 2011, as I'm making money, I'm creating um, partnerships with people. So that's how I got back into rehabbing by bringing the asset to the table. You know, at Charles, um, a, a lot of people want to get with you online and offline, but they don't bring you no value. So, and you like, bro, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm working. You know what I mean? Then I got family stuff to do, pers- my friends and, you know, etc. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you got stuff to do. And here it is. You know what I mean? Like they just want to pick your brain or the case may be. And you busy. And for those who don't know, and, you know, you ain't have to put out, you don't have to put out social media content. You know what I mean? That's not needed. You can be extremely successful without it. But just putting out content is a full-time job. 
So, you know, so Charles, you got content, you got your other businesses, you got your education business, you know, you got a lot going on and people don't realize that. But what I did was I brought the asset and I brought the, the good deal and bring it to my one of my buyers and say, hey, it's all right. We partner. Can we do 50 50? And I brought it to like four people. One person said yes. And so we did it. That's how I got back in rehabbing. And for me getting back in rehab and what happened next is we started um I started getting the private money connections. All right. So now I'm getting their lenders. Now, for me getting their lenders, I'm building relationships. They're like, yeah, we're, we're hearing about you all around town. This, that, and the third. So, you know, I'm building those relationships, building a good reputation, uh, doing the right thing. And, you know, I just got just got connected, started picking up rentals, you know, started picking up rental properties. Um, and the way I got into building, I called my lender to do a loan for me on the property. The lender, uh, the house was 90,000. It was down the street from the Panther State. House was 90,000. You had to knock it down. And from knocking it down, um, I said, look, I need 100K in rehab. I said, yo, this is what we're going to do. I said, I'm going to do 90 on the unpurchased, 100,000 in rehab. I'm going to add about, I think it was 800 square feet to make it 1,300 uh, square feet, uh, 1,400 square feet, and then there'd be a three-bedroom, two-bath. And he was like, man, he looked at the house. He's like, you sure you want to do that, man? He said, listen, he said, I got a feeling, man. Your contract is going to find foundation issues and your bill is going to go way up, man. I said, I mean, I think 100 is good. And he was like, well, listen, how about this? How about uh, you knock it down and start over? And I'm like, knock it down? I said, uh, sir, I, I, I never done that before. I don't want to do it. And he was like, um, he said, man, I just had got a really good feeling. You should just knock it down. It's much easier than we have it. I said, listen, I don't want to mess up your money. He was like, man, I don't want you to mess up my money. So he was like, what? What if I partner with you? Would you do it? I said, absolutely. So that's how I got in the building. My partner with my lender. And from there, you know, you do one. Then, you know, you, I did the next and next and the next. Can we talk about the numbers on that deal, knocking it down? Because yeah. uh, yeah. I invest in, in Michigan. It seems like some of the deals we got just, should just knock it down and the foundation issues. And what if there's a basement involved? Uh, what were the numbers on that? Yes. Okay. So um, basically, it was 90,000. Well, I'm sorry, 90,000 for the lot. Um, so um, we so you, still bought, you still bought that house? Bought the house, yeah. And yeah. we just knocked it down. And okay. it was 250,000 to build, 2,500 square feet. So 100,000 square foot. We sold that property for 490. Today, that house is probably worth about 725 or so. If you would have did it as a flip, um, would that have impacted the ARV and that would have impacted uh, the cost of rehab, I'm sure. It would have cost yeah. you less to rehab. Yeah, if I would do that as a flip with my numbers, it was 90, put 100 into it. If I would have got off with 100, which I probably would have, uh, I would have been at uh, a 280 ARV. Wow, it's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. It's a big difference. And a better quality product, better quality buyer. That's interesting. Yeah. One thing that I like about developing is then you can get kind of creative because if you did want to build like a multifamily or build some condos or do something a little bit different to increase the value, you could have done that as well. Um, 
I was going to ask you what one of the things that I thought was cool about your story is a lot of times people think that if they because you said you you had pitched your your deal where you bring the asset and then they they provide the flip funding and you partner with them on the upside to four people, whereas most people would have brought it to one person. They said no, and they would just quit if they even bring it to anybody at all. And so I thought that was powerful in that in that story. Um, Absolutely, brother. You know, um, unfortunately, man. Yeah. Like even with what we're banks, I tell people you're going to have to talk to multiple banks. One bank, tell them no. Uh, they give up for the day. And it's like, nah, it doesn't work like that. It's not that easy, man. And, you know, I, I and people, oh, this is too hard. This is too tough. You know, sometimes I just got to be, I, well, I'm, I'm a straightforward guy, but I just got to let them know. I said, listen, man, I'm black, bro. When has it ever been easy for me? When has it ever been when I went and I wanted that job, you wear a suit and tie, and they say, hey, little black guy, you got it. You know what I mean? Like, when has that ever happened? I, everything I got, I had to fight for. You know what I mean? I can't even, in my neighborhood where I grew up at, you walk down the street with a book bag on, um, the police is harassing, throwing you in the ground looking for drugs. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, when have I ever had it easy, whereas one person telling me, no, I just give up. So, you know, it's something I want. So, you know, that's that's how I look at it. Yeah. What's also cool is maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like the way you even went about the rental properties was still the wholesale first approach. Yes, correct. So you find the deal direct to seller. I saw you say that if you don't go direct to seller, you're going to get into a bidding war to pay to make the least money. That's so that's true. <laughs> so that's true. Even if you're doing rentals, if you're doing development, anything you're doing, you want to go direct. Why is that important? Because you don't want a middleman because you don't want other competition that other investors are fighting for, right? So mm-hmm. you just you want that asset that only only has eyes for you and you only have eyes for it at that time. Yeah, because when something goes to market, what happens is you and other investors start bidding and y'all bidding on who's gonna make the least amount of money on that. That's what we don't want, and that's what we're not going to do. Yeah, when you when you say it that way, it makes so much sense. I think sometimes as people who want to get into real estate, we get anxious and we see like the easy stuff on the MLS, on the red fins. You're like, oh, this, this could potentially be a deal. And then you run into a situation where you end up losing money, where you overpay on the front end. The rehab gets way larger. And I think it only really takes like one time to get burned like that to never make that mistake again. Because when it's real money on the line, you're losing real $7,000, $14,000. It's like, I'd rather pass on the deal than overpay on it because overpaying is, is the opposite of what we're trying to do. We're trying to make money, not lose it. <laughs> I, I, absolutely, bro. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I strongly agree. Yes. So, you know, that's the case right there, man. And um, unfortunately, and my, one of my, my early mentors, he always said this, people who have money don't think because they think money can solve the problem which that's not, the, that's not the case all the time. So mm-hmm. what happens is people with money approach real estate and then they just go into MLS. Oh, I can buy all these houses in Detroit for cheap. So all I got to do is buy this house, but there's variables involved in that, man. You don't know these neighborhoods, man. These con- contractors are terrible. Um, from what my contacts in Detroit, Detroit, Detroit told me is street by street. So therefore you on the wrong street where you rehab a house with all abandoned houses on that street. And you got crackheads and homeless people going to all the other houses 
they're going to come in yours too. So, you know, it, it's, it's more to it. And unfortunately, people go that route and they end up, you know, losing, you know, losing money. Um, a recent case study of that is Zillow. Zillow had some Ivy League guys, smart suit and tie guys, say, hey, we can flip houses. And fast forward, they're making a $330 million, uh, $330 million cut, which is, you know, they got hedge funds back of them. So that sounds crazy. But yeah, those hedge funds are going to recover. Absolutely. But, you know, um, yeah, man, it was based off of they approaching flipping with a logical behind the desk standpoint, which I go as far as saying, man, I don't really think, and I know some people get it done at a micro level, a smaller, a much smaller level, but I don't really think that you can flip houses and sit behind a laptop all day, especially in the beginning, and depend on contractors and do what they say they're going to do. Why, why do you say that is? Uh, because contractors, I don't know who's worse, them or mechanics. Well, I, I well, I could say contracts is probably worse now, at this point. I, I dealt with them, but yeah, man, it's just the variable is dealing that contractor, and every contractor is going to tell you they can handle two houses. So I'm quite sure Zillow's contractors told, "Oh, how many y'all giving us? Three hundred? Yeah, don't worry, I got it." And yeah, it was a disaster. You know, guys can't handle two houses, let alone you know three hundred. And Zillow has seven thousand across the nation. 7,000 plus across the nation. So, you know, it's just, um, yeah, man. And, and the people who are not in the real estate is one thing you're going to find. Real estate investors will not give up their contractors or their private money sources. Those yeah. They will keep close to heart because if they got three, three projects going on and they lend you their contractor over there for your project, man, it can be a disaster for their three projects. Believe it or not, as dumb as that may sound. Because again, all contractors say they can handle multiple projects when that's not the case. Yeah. So how do you go about getting good contractors? See, I have a relationship with other investors. I, I work off referral only because I have a relationship with other investors. So me and I got a relationship with other investors. I just work off referral only, um, yeah. meaning that they'll give me their contracts because I gave them things in the past, you know, um, and things of that nature. So we switch back and forth. Um. How was COVID for you? I saw that you bought four homes anymore. And uh, was COVID the come up, the pandemic, as they call it, for you? <laughs> yeah, man, I bought some rental properties during COVID, man, uh, for a deep discount because everybody was scared. Uh, man, my lender was even scared, man. So, yeah. yeah, man, he was like, man, you sure about this? You ever been through other, did you, have you been other, I told him about the house I flipped in 07, but I was like, man, I was new, I wasn't full time. He's like, look, man, this thing can get, it might can get bad. I said, listen, the prices I'm getting them for, they can be rentals for the next three years. You're good. You know, but fortunately he trusted me. He made me put in, made me put up a bunch of money on one. Um, the one we in now, my primary, he made me put up in a bunch of money. Like if you made me bring 15,000 to closer. And I was like, all right, cool. And now fast forward, I got like uh, uh, probably a hundred thousand plus in equity in this house right now. You really? Know? Yeah, man. I I bought this house during lockdown, so people was dragging their feet. Thank God. So <laughs> so yeah, man. I, I I literally had no competition. I when I bought it, I just knew what I was getting. 
Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So how did you find this deal? Was it, are you uh, like direct mail, voicemail stuff? What are you doing to find your deal? Okay, I'm doing text messages. I'm doing cold calling. Uh, those are my two primary sources right now. Uh, we're not doing any direct mail right now, but just uh, texting and cold calling. Really? And are you doing the actual cold calling? Do you have people who cold call on your behalf? Oh, I have people who cold call on my behalf. Okay, got it, got it. All right, so that's interesting. In the in the homes that you're buying, were these people who like lost their job or people who were moving, people who were like able to telecommute or something like that? What was that situation like? Oh, well, the ones that I bought, the four you're talking about, Three of them came from somebody looking that inherited a, a big portfolio and wanted nothing to do with real estate. She wanted nothing to do with real estate. Real estate was a father thing. That's not mm-hmm. they wanted to liquidate so and, and move on with her life. So three came from that um, inheritance of somebody who just wanted to liquidate. Uh, the fourth one was a out-of-state investor in California who, you know, he just wanted to get his money back out of the Charlotte market. Um, you know, he had the house for years and years, and it was just time for him to just move on and get out to Charlotte Market. He was in California. Got it. Got it. All right. So before we wrap, I got I got some tweets or not some tweets, some like quotes. Because you've been on, you've been on Bigger Pockets for a while, man. Your interview that I found was like years back, and you've been writing yeah. some blogs. So I mean, it was like episode one hundred six. Now on like episode five hundred now. And weren't you yeah. just recently? You were recently on another. Bigger Pockets podcast. Correct. Yeah. So I was on uh, episode on Bigger Pockets 116. I blogged for them. I did some video work for them. Uh, also, I've done, uh, what else I did? Oh, yeah. I recently did episode 515 and 516 for um, Bigger Pockets. So absolutely. Yeah, man. I've been I've been working with them for a while. So on the 500 episodes, were you a guest host or were you actual like guest? No, I was a guest host. So, you know, they brought me in as a guest host. Um, And yeah, man, that was that was cool and special, man. Thanks to the the good people with Bigger Pockets. Yeah, that was good. That's cool. Um, So I saw you say jump off the roof and get your wings on the way down. Yeah. Expand on that. Absolutely, man. So me personally, man, um, fortunately, I started this when I was young. And when I was young, I was definitely not smart. Take my word for it, guys. You know, so I was one of those people who just jump off the bridge and grow wings on the way down. I didn't care about, you know, um, the details. I just was, what we got to do? All right, done. You know, go. Let's run the play. So I was just one of those people, you know, and that's probably why I lost money in my first house. However, um, and I did that on two more houses, you know, I, so out of those three houses I bought early on in my career, 
One, um, that third house I'm telling you about, when I sold that rental property, walked away with closing for 100,000, like 70K was net. Um, so yeah, you know, it all worked out. It, all, it paid for all my experiences and all that, man. So right. I, I, I just been one of those type of guys, just a go-getter, man. Like, I don't care about the details. Let's just get it done. You know, you don't gotta give me all 10 steps. Give me step three, give me the, the first three steps. I get right. that, I'll call you for the next uh, three. You know, yeah. well, I'm 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 more like you. Know, let's take action instead of you know read seven million books. Right. What made you um, keep going even though you lost money on the first few deals? Yeah, I was too stupid to quit, man. I was young, man. So I when I got started, so I was too stupid to quit. I didn't really have logic in me, you know. So therefore, I was just on some like, yo, I gotta, um, you know, this might sound cliche, but man, you know, coming from up north and. It was just basically what it is, you know, get rich or die trying. You know, I did not want to live a average lifestyle. That was not for me. You know, that definitely was not for me. I did not want to do that. Um, you know, being in the call center, I looked at people 5, 10, 15, 20 years my senior and just looked at them and said, nah, not me. I ain't, I ain't going out like this, you know? So yeah, man, that's what just kept me motivated and kept me going, man. Looking at my coworkers like, uh, uh-uh, you know, right. so now, bro, I have a job since like September of 2012. And, you know, and even between 08 and 2012, I think it was like four jobs, um, four different companies. But, you know, my coworkers now, they understand, you know, seven figures later, you know, they understand, you know, they at the time when they see because I was the same go get a guy, they understand it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So now, you know, they, they, they get it. You know, they at that age where they want to do stuff, make things happen, but they can't. They got to ask their boss. They can't go spend time with their kids because they want to. No, you got to report to work, you know, or you won't <laughs> have no job. So that is funny because it's it. When you when you are good at a job, people assume that there's something wrong with you. And in actuality, it might be something that's right with you because I, I did the same calculation. I'm looking at the managers, the regional managers, and I'm like, that's not the life I want to work 10 years to get. But that person has a life I want to get. And that person ain't working here, clocking in, waiting on his vacation time. So it's like maybe there's not something wrong with you, it's something that's right with you. Yo, I swear, bro. Like, yo, my site director, man, she was um she straight up told me, she's like uh, one of my companies, right? She, cause I was trying to get, I, so I was, Wacovia was based out of Charlotte, Wells Bottom. So I'm, so we, it was the headquarters, but there was multiple different departments. I swear I had about over a hundred applications for different types of departments, nothing to do with each other. with just shopping, shopping around my resume internally, right? So, cause while I'm on these calls, I'm like, bro, let me look at some jobs. Let me look at this job board. So I'm just shopping around. Man, I could do that. I could do that. You know, of course, ain't nobody, none of jokers hired me, but my site director, she sat me down. She said, look, man, I as a hiring manager, how am I supposed to look at this? She was like, yo, you say you want to do sales, but you applying to HR, you applying to wealth management, you applying to be a goddamn stockbroker. Like I I was applying, stocks, yeah, I, I read Black in the Price. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. You know, I'm a, I was just like, yo, I'm just trying to make it happen. I'm a go-getter. That's how you should look at it. She said, yeah, probably not. And she was like, listen, I see that, you know, you're a go-getter. You make things happen. I see the books that you read. You're young. At the time, I'm like 26, right? I'm, I'm 38 now. But she was like, yo, um, I can see with your ambition in 10 years, you'd be making $100,000 plus, right? So I'm thinking to myself, 10 years, I'm trying to do that today. 
You know what I mean? I'm thinking to myself, and I'm like, yeah. Man, fast forward, man. About 35, man. I was my business was grossing seven figures, bro. So yeah, bro. I I just couldn't. That the, the reason why I tell that story, like that working mentality, bro. Like just limit you, throw you in the box. I remember she was talking, she also mentioned that how um it could have been a blessing I didn't get a promotion, right? For a sales job. I would have got a salary increase from 25 to like 35, like a ten thousand dollar increase. She said, no, because remember you read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You probably would have went out and got some debt and then it raised the 10000 So it could have been like a blessing to be broke. A blessing not to be able to afford a new... What? Yo, bro, they're thinking. I just couldn't get it. But again, like I said um, in the past, if you judge a fish ability... Uh, you judge a fish based off his ability to climb a wall, he will go through life thinking he's stupid. You put a fish in water, they will thrive, you know? Yeah. So that's what all I saw it was. I was just in the wrong environment. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, I saw you had a post and you were talking about how people think that immigrants have it easy. And I wanted to, to talk about that because I think it might be something people do think is true. Yes. A lot of people think immigrants are easy, right? I, I, I even did research on this um, multiple times because people think that these immigrants just come over here and get a handout and it's just easy for them when that's not the case. All right, so maybe you found some groups that, you know, they might have got a, a grant or whatever, but it's very few versus the majority. Majority of them eh, will come over here, bro, make the sacrifices, that depending on your community, you from my community that we would never make, make those sacrifices, gathering up in the house, stacking their money. Like literally, this dude was living next door to me. He had a bicycle. He's riding the bike to work in the winter, bro. Yo, some uh I want to say it was Mexican or Spanish. All right, first things first, bro. Like, I don't know people listening, I don't know who y'all grew up with, but the people who I grew up with, bro, if they gotta take the bus to work, they would make an excuse why they can't work. You know what I mean? My man was pedaling to work. You know what I'm saying? So pedaling to work. I put himself in position. His, his wife didn't work. Put himself in position to buy a car. Bought a car. Now you're going to work with a car. I know he's hanging out more with his friends, you know, bringing more friends over there and et cetera. Next thing you know, they buy a house. And it's like, yo, we just sit here and complain. You know, yes, racism is real. Racism exists. But therefore, they focus, they keeping their eye on the prize and accomplishing the goal and getting things done and not depending on the government handout, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, man, you know, I, I really do believe that some immigrants may have it harder. And if you grew up in a diverse place like me, New Jersey, North Jersey, New York, California, man, I don't know if y'all willing to admit, but you remember picking on and cracking jokes on immigrant children, you know? Yeah. They they were targets when they came to school, especially in the 90s, especially in the 90s. You know, me and my, I recently went to Africa in June, and we over there talking to kids who grew up in America, but they living, you know, back on in Ghana, in Accra, and they tell us a story how they was called um, African booty scratches and all this, you know what I mean? Meanwhile, they thriving in life. Yeah. So That's interesting when you put it that way, because I think a lot of people, they assume that they have it harder because of how they're treated not realizing that immigrants get treated pretty poorly as well and sometimes they get treated poorly by us and so it's like what's the difference is it like the mindset is it uh the focus the determinations and appreciating the benefits that america does have despite its shortcomings 
But I never heard somebody say they actually might have it more difficult. And I think that's true. They might have it harder. Yo, they bro, they walk into the classroom from, from grade school. They get cracked on, especially the the first the ones with the first used from my neighborhood. The, the, you know, the poorer neighborhood, the, the dumbest it sound, the poorer neighborhood, the more we care about materialistic things because we try to compete on who can hide their poverty the best. So, mm. you know, um, and we do that through labels. So, we, yeah, we do that through clothing labels, you know. Um, no, Charles, you know damn well of all the racial injustices over the last few years, I'm quite sure you never heard Gucci say, yo, we going to donate X amount to this movement. <laughs> we going to uh, Versace, all these European designers. However, we had to hide behind that stuff. He's from my neighborhood. Because, you know, we wanted, we wanted to feel good about ourselves. And that's the way we felt good, as dumb as it was. And so those those kids that had immigrant parents, their parents was buying them the best that they could afford. And, bro, we, they walk in with one of them, you know, them, them, them dumb no-name jackets, bro. They getting clowned on the whole day. And they, don't, and they don't know why they're getting clowned on, you know? So, yeah, man, they, they, they have it rough, man. You know what I'm saying? They have it rough. Uh, you also said work hard in your 20s and then I think you said either relax in your 30s or then you can enjoy life in your 30s. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, make those proper sacrifices in your 20s, man. Make those, uh, you know, work hard in your 20s, stay up night, stay up late, uh, cut out the club. And I'm not telling y'all theory. I'm telling y'all what I did. Stay out the club, you know, start picking up books. And because, you know, I got tired of going to the club and coming home and not having anything, bro. You know, I got tired of, you know, going to the club and, you know, I, I wanted nice things. You know, when I got money, was that the first thing I got? Nice things? No, because I appreciated it because I had to work for it. So I wasn't beat for that materialistic stuff that I thought I wanted when I was broke, you know. So, but yeah, man, use your 20s for the right thing, man. Don't, you know, it, it, because what happens is people waste their 20s. And then they get in their 30s and all of a sudden they want something, they want more, and they they don't quite realize, okay, we get it. However, the world does not care that you want more because you want more. You have to figure out what value you would add. What skill are you going to get to want more? And that's and that's totally between you and nobody else. So yeah, yeah man. So I, I just think that you make those proper sacrifices in your 20s. So that you can relax in your 30s. Yeah, I feel like some people have it backwards. They they want to turn up in their 20s. And then, like you said, then their 30s hit and now they got to get serious. And it's a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say it's too late, but it's just better if you do it the opposite way. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Before I get to the wrap up questions, there's something I saw that was kind of funny. It said uh, real estate is easier than being a Hornets fan. <laughs> yeah, man. Charlotte Hornets fan. Grew up on uh, New Jersey Nets, man. But uh, Jay-Z took the Nets to Brooklyn, man. So I can't I can't cheer for them no more, man. I felt betrayed. And Jay, my favorite rapper, still is of all time, you know. But um, with that being said, man, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Hornets fan. And me uh me being a Hornets fan, uh, that's pretty tough, bro. We we had and even this year, bro, we started off good, three and up. This was like our best start ever. Now look at this, five and seven, went to the West Coast and getting beat down by all the Cali teams because they playing real basketball out there. But, you know, for us, it always looks good for just a little bit. 
and then boom, we get punched in the face. So <laughs> real estate is much easier than being a Hornets fan. Take my word for it, man. Like we've been we've been in the NBA for 30 plus since 1988, the team, and we have never been to an Eastern Conference Finals. Last time we've been to the second round where Michael Jordan was a player and he sent us home. And now Michael Jordan is actually the owner of the Hornets. So it's 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 rough. Yeah. I've literally never, I don't remember ever seeing the Hornets have a good season. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I'm just not in tune. We had some. We had I think once in 16 we went to the playoffs in 2006. Yeah. Um, where do you see your business in the next five years? I get more into development, man, having a development project going on, just getting more into that avenue. Um, that's where my real estate business is going in. Um, definitely want to grow my education business, but, you know, just, you know, doing a lot more buy and hold. Um, you know, yeah, I have a big, I have a, um, well, a nice size for the portfolio, nothing crazy, but, you know, I just want to expand that and grow and, you know, at this point, it's yeah, money is cool, but it's it's about enjoying life, man. Yeah. You know, so do you do that, any out of any out of state investing, or you just all invest in the market that you live in? Uh, North and South Carolina. Okay, South Carolina. All right, what sets apart successful uh, real estate investors from those who just quit? Um, basically, the ones who are successful, they prepare themselves for the uh, process. The ones who just quit, man. It's, they just want to check and they're not prepared for the process, man. Real estate is hard. Um, whatever you do is going to be hard. If you don't do real estate, life is going to be hard. You know, there's no easy way to success. You know, people in poverty commit suicide. People in rich, people that are rich, born into money. You, we, we look like, how do you have worries? You have money. They commit suicide. All right. My point of me saying both sides commit suicide is that there's no easy way of life. Life is going to be hard regardless. You know, you will have trials and tribulations. And being that you have trials and tribulations, how about you sacrifice to get what you really want instead of, you know, lying to yourself and say, oh, money's not important. Oh, oh, my God. He has a new car. It's such stupid. I don't like new cars. That is dumb. You know, and just having negative stuff because you bought into it because you believe you can't have that stuff. So, you know, my my thing is, man, the people who are successful, they prepare themselves for the process. The people who are not successful, they've seen a nice check. They just seen another shiny object and wasn't ready to put their dues in. It took me eight months to get my first wholesale deal. So I couldn't quit. I didn't quit. And the reason why I didn't quit, because my reality of my job sucked and I just couldn't go out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think you would be now if you didn't uh, get fired, if you just were there? Man, where would I be now, bro? I pipes. I don't know, man, because eventually I, I was going to do real estate regardless. So, you know, I probably would have just I would eventually quit because I was doing yeah. real estate. Regardless. So I, I would eventually quit, you know, so. That's dope. Um, yeah, because being at a job, retiring from a job was never in my future. Never, even as a child. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome, man. So my last question is where, and we already know this, but where can they find you? Where can they follow you? And where can they support what you have going on? All right. So um, real estate guru, um, D-O-R-U. I'm not a guru. I'm a guru because I actually do this business. But real estate guru on Instagram, real estate guru on YouTube. Those are my two uh, most active platforms. So check me out. Um, you know, uh, comment on my stuff, like, follow, subscribe, you know, all that, man. Just uh, hold me down. Nice. 
Thank you for coming on the show. We'll get this episode pushed out to the people. We'll have all the links to his social media inside of the show notes to make sure that you guys can find them easily without having to uh, do a search. Just click the link, you know. Uh, we like ratings. We like reviews. We like five-star reviews. Also, subscribe. Share this with your friends and their family so they can get this game. A lot of gems were dropped. A lot of quotables. And I'm going to turn into some Instagram content coming soon. Um, make sure you guys just continue to support what we have going on. We continue to bring you guys this game. My name is Charles Oglesby, and we are signing off. What's going on, podcast listeners? This is your man, Donald The Voice, the official editor and podcast producer. And listen, I just had to come in and tell you that we appreciate your listenership. And I want to give you a special offer for listening to this podcast. If you have voiceover, podcast, or video editing needs, let's talk. You can go over to DonaldTheVoice.com forward slash contact, and I'll be happy to talk with you about what you need and how I can serve you. You want to sound good and look good so that people can feel good and do good as a result of listening or watching your content. And I'm here to help you make that happen so let's talk go over to donaldthevoice.com forward slash contact and we'll talk have a good rest of the day evening morning whatever time it is and i'll talk to you soon